It's Friday, January 12th, 2024. America and allies drop missiles in Yemen. All eyes on Iowa. And who could have seen this coming? Next on the AM Update. I really, truly apologize for my absence the last couple of days. I was sidelined with what I believe was the flu, and it knocked me on my butt. Monday night, I had a cough. Tuesday, lost my voice. Wednesday morning was barely functioning. I think I'm on the mend, and I have a full episode prepared for you today, and we'll see how long my voice lasts. Also, I want to let you know that uh, because uh, the week has kind of been blown up, uh, my beautiful wife, Bella, has been amazing, by the way. She's been uh, kind of picking up a lot of the slack around the house, while I've been kind of knocked out. And so because of that, uh, No Suck Saturday will be delayed by one day this week. It's going to be a No Suck Sunday. Maybe we'll get it out on Saturday night. But we're still going to have that for our subscribers here on Apple Podcasts. And now on with the Friday edition. The United States and Britain carried out a series of airstrikes on military locations belonging to Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen early Friday in response to the militant group's ongoing attacks on vessels traveling through the Red Sea. According to Fox News, there were attacks on more than a dozen Houthi targets by air, surface, and subsurface platforms. The attacks were carried out with support from Australia, the Netherlands, Bahrain, and Canada. A U.S. defense official says the U.K. contributed aircraft. President Biden said he'd authorized the strikes in direct response to the, quote, unprecedented Houthi attacks against international maritime vessels in the Red Sea, including the use of anti-ship ballistic missiles for the first time in history. The governments of Australia, Bahrain, Canada, Denmark, Germany, Netherlands, New Zealand, South Korea, and others said in a joint statement that the strikes were intended to disrupt and degrade the capabilities the Houthis use to threaten global trade and the lives of international mariners in one of the world's most critical waterways. All eyes in the U.S. political world are firmly affixed upon Iowa as the first in the nation GOP caucuses go down in the Hawkeye State on Monday. As you're listening to this, great swaths of Iowa are being hit with a blizzard, and gusty winds are expected to last into the weekend, blowing snow everywhere, followed by an Arctic blast that will see many highs in the state by caucus day reach zero at best in many locations. This week, GOP hopeful Ron DeSantis debated former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in Iowa. DeSantis hit Haley for thinking and acting like a globalist owing to her time at the United Nations and her posture towards Ukraine. So they have sent cash. Uh, she supports this $106 billion that they're trying to get through Congress. Where's some of that money going? They've done tens of billions of dollars to pay salaries for Ukrainian government bureaucrats. They've paid pensions for Ukrainian retirees with your tax dollars. We've got homeless veterans. We have all these problems. This is the UN way of thinking that we're somehow globalists and we have unlimited resources to do. You know, I think here's the problem. You can take the ambassador out of the United Nations, but you can't take the United Nations out of the ambassador. During that same debate, former President Trump held a town hall just minutes away and used the opportunity to lambast DeSantis on myriad occasions, despite choosing not to participate in the aforementioned debate. Trump once again rewrote history when it comes to COVID. I had, uh, I'm a federalist in a sense, because that's the federalist way. No, I didn't actually have a shutdown, despite the fact that some people wanted to and some people didn't want to. That, of course, is patently false. Trump repeatedly took credit for locking down the country. We did the right thing. We closed the country. Down. I could have kept it open. 
And I could have done what some countries are doing. I had to shut it down. We did the right thing. In April of 2020, he resisted states reopening without his approval. Trump, during his town hall, did not receive any pushback from the Fox News moderators about his claim to have never locked anyone down during the pandemic. Moving on back to Ohio, where we're going to stay with this story till it meets its conclusion, whatever that is. The Ohio State House, with a Republican majority, voted Wednesday afternoon to override Republican Governor Mike DeWine's veto of a GOP-backed bill that would have banned gender-mutilating surgeries for minors and prevented males from competing in female sporting events. Background once again on this story in late December, DeWine vetoed House Bill 68. Despite overwhelming support from his own party, DeWine claimed he could not allow the legislation to become law as currently written. Supporters championed the bill as strengthening parental rights. HB 68, also known as the Saving Adolescents from Experimentation Act, would have banned medical professionals from performing so-called gender-affirming surgeries on minors or prescribing children cross-sex hormones. The legislation would have also prohibited males from competing in women's sporting events. DeWine just last week issued an executive order that basically accomplishes everything the bill would have in an admission, I guess, that he listened to his base. But now it seems the legislature is bent on doing the right thing here and overriding the governor's veto in an attempt to make the bill firm law. The motion to override DeWine's veto heads to the Senate. A judge sentenced Ray Epps, a man caught on tape encouraging demonstrators to storm the Capitol on January 6th of 2021, to one-year probation for his role in the Capitol riot. Chief Judge of the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, James Bosberg, sentenced Epps to 12 months of probation after the Department of Justice prosecutors recommended Epps serve six months in jail for his conduct on and ahead of January 6, 2021. He's also ordered to pay $500 restitution. Epps pleaded guilty to one misdemeanor count for disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds in September after coming to a deal with federal prosecutors. Epps's legal teams suggested he serve a probation sentence in response to prosecutor's sentencing memo, arguing for six months in probation. Live stream footage taken of the night of January 5th, 2021, showed Epps and a crowd of Trump supporters encouraging them to go inside the Capitol on the day of January 6th. The footage generated widespread speculation that Epps was a federal agent because he had not yet been charged for his role on January 6th. Epps blamed then-Fox News host Tucker Carlson and Fox News for a federal prosecutor's decision to charge him in a defamation lawsuit against the network. The year of probation Epps was sentenced to is far less than the six months in jail the DOJ wanted, and of course far less than the years in prison some J6ers have received for doing as much or as little, depending on how you see it, as Epps did. At least four people died as severe thunderstorms, powerful winds, and apparent tornadoes ripped across swaths of the southeastern United States earlier this week, downing power lines and trees and damaging buildings. The severe weather was part of a weather system wreaking havoc across much of the eastern third of the country. Images circulating online from Panama City, Florida showed homes whose roofs had been torn off, flattened buildings and impassable roadways after a reported tornado tore through the area early on Tuesday. In some areas north of the Alabama state line, storms brought hail the size of baseballs. The strongest confirmed tornado touched down in Bay County, Florida, an EF3 strength twister. Governor DeSantis on Thursday confirmed 99% of those who lost power in his state 
and had it restored already. Who could have seen this coming? Rental firm Hertz is selling about 20,000 electric vehicles, including Tesla's, from its U.S. fleet about two years after a deal with the automaker to offer its vehicles for rent. Another sign that EV demand has cooled. Hertz will instead opt for gas-powered vehicles, it said on Thursday, citing higher expenses related to collision and damage for EVs, even though it had aimed to convert 25% of its fleet to electric by 2024 at the year's end. CEO Stephen Schur had last year at the J.P. Morgan Auto Conference flagged headwinds from higher expenses for its electric vehicles, particularly Tesla's. Hertz even limited the torque and speed of the EVs and offered it to experienced users on the platform to make them easier to adapt after certain users had front-end collisions. Meanwhile, wholesale used electric vehicle prices fell for most of 2023 as prices for new EVs fell and inventories of unsold electric vehicles rose, That's according to Cox Automotive Data. Cox forecast before Hertz's decision that used EV prices would decline more than overall used vehicle prices in 2024. I think electric vehicles are novel and kind of cool, but I think the push for mass adoption of these vehicles is fundamentally uncool. It seems like some in the market are experiencing this uncoolness as we speak. And now here's this. I stumbled upon this clip the other day, courtesy of the Blazes Oron McIntyre, not to be confused with yours truly. I'm just going to play this clip for you without any context. It's about 10 years old. Listen to this. Open Speaking borders. Open no, borders. That's, a, that's a Koch brothers proposal. The really? idea. Of course. I mean, that's a right-wing proposal, which says essentially there is no United States. But it, anybody would, it can, would make a lot me. of global poor richer, wouldn't it? And it'd make everybody in America poor. Then you're doing away with, with the concept of a nation state. And I don't think there's any country in the world which believes in that. If you believe in a nation state or in a country called the United States or UK or Denmark or any other country, you have an obligation, in my view, to do everything we can to help poor people. What right-wing people in this country would love is an open border policy. Bring in all kinds of people who work for 2 or $3 an hour. That would be great for them. I don't believe in that. And now, isn't that something, huh? That's Bernie Sanders about a decade ago, advocating for the sovereignty of nation-states and decrying the notion of open borders. And he was the leftiest of left-wingers back then. Of course, part of that I'd quibble about is that right-wingers are for open borders. Now, corporatist Republicans and their donors are absolutely for open borders for the reasons he mentioned, but not the rest of us who keep voting for them by and large, but we won't talk about that. I go back and listen to clips uh, from Bernie Sanders of yesterday year, and I can't help but thinking a, a lot of the more populist points he makes, not only do I agree with he's actually right, his main complaint wasn't necessarily with the wealthy or capitalism, it was with the people and corporations who got wealthy off of corporate cronyism, which is not capitalism. And he constantly blamed the government for enabling or outright being the cause of such cronyism. Good again. But time and again, Sanders' resolutions were more, much more, of the government that actually got us here in the first place. And of course, there's the little thing about socialism he's so fond of, too. Yuck. But man alive, how far has that party gone that in a period of about 10 years, their most lefty leftist now sounds like a border hawk? And finally, air analysis, slightly acidic, mostly necessary. This clip went viral this week. It's a TikTok of a gal. Looks like she's maybe in her early 20s. She's sitting in a car in a parking lot and appears to be wearing a Walmart worker's vest. Listen to this. I cannot stand how the news has been dogging Gen Z and calling them lazy for not wanting to work a nine to five for the rest of their lives. Let me put it in perspective for everybody who's a little confused here, okay? I work five days out of the week, 40 hours a week, okay? I do not make enough to live on my own. I would not make enough to pay rent, water, electric, and eat all by myself. 
I would not be capable of doing that. 20 years ago, when you were getting started, you could live on your own. 20 years ago, when you first started, you were able to do everything that I am now struggling to do. Let me add another perspective here. You've been working for 20 years. You have 20 years of working experience behind your belt. You have 20 years of experience in a career that has allowed you to gain raises, to get more money, to profit you in an economy that you created. You can sit here and you can call Gen Z lazy all you want, but I've been working my tail end off just to barely make it by. And respectfully, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I don't want to work my tail end off, wasting all of my life working just to barely be able to pay my bills. And that is what you created, not Gen Z. We're just here getting started. You've been doing it for the last 20 years. You tell me how it got ruined. We can sit here and we can call Gen Z lazy all you want, but you let the economy turn into what it did. You let it all run to hell and now it's gen z's fault because we don't want to work to fix your mistakes so that's likely a gen z gal sitting likely outside her job complaining about her job and now is the part of this conversation where i'm supposed to rip the younger generations for being lazy and entitled go pick yourself up by the bootstraps rugged individualism yada yada i did do that to some extent a few months ago with a similar video of a young lady who had had it with her nine to five job because she didn't have any time for extracurricular activities that video, I think, is a little bit different than this one. This is a girl working a very blue-collar job that I'm sure doesn't pay well, and I think two things can be true at once. One, is she a little lazy? Maybe. Is she entitled? Probably a little bit, so that's kind of one thing. But there's another thing I think is true as well. It's also true that the world we live in now is not the same as it was 20 years ago, certainly different from what it was 30 years ago. Now, one part where she's wrong is that 20 years ago, you could support yourself, live on your own while working a Walmart job. Eh, I'm not quite sure about that. Maybe 30 years ago, sure. I think something that's tough for a lot of the older generations to understand is that these millennials and Gen Zers' parents grew up in a world where one income per household could net them a decent standard of living. Not great, but decent. Now, most folks who are married, which I don't think this gal is, well, even those married couples, it's really hard to make just one income work, especially when you got kids. Yeah, you could say the standard of living we expect is different from what our parents expected, but was that any different of a tale for their generation and the previous one? That's part, not the whole part, mind you, but part of what it means to safeguard this country for future generations to make it better. I think what this gal is expressing, though, a little lazy and entitled, is that she doesn't see the hope of getting ahead in this country at this time. She can barely get by working full-time as she is. Now, what I would hope this gal does is, in her free time, spend time looking for a suitor who can provide for her, or spend time developing more marketable skills that she can parlay into a different, better job. That requires hustle and determination, but even in the state of this country as it is, I think it's still possible. I'm Aaron McIntyre, and this is the AM Update. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. 
because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.